G'day everyone and welcome along to another episode of the Tune Under podcast. Um, so your your Southern Hemisphere's original and best Newcastle United podcast in the Southern Hemisphere's uh, pushing along a little bit, um, trying to increase our numbers. So I'm going to kick things off pretty quickly with a hello and please sub, like, subscribe, uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and all the rest of it, whatever's going on these days. Joining me today is Craig and with our special guest, uh, Adam Cleary. Um, you probably have seen him on his own own doing his uh, spiel about Newcastle and the transfer gossip and all the rest of it. So uh, get a quick intro for you from your 442 and just your general Newcastle United uh, um, sort of upbringing and, and support, I guess. Uh, yeah, before I start, I was absolutely bowled over by that T-1000 Terminator Emile Kraft in that intro. That is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Running after the team bus and jumping on the back of it. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, I'm Adam. Pini. I am the video guy for 442, which is still, I think I'm right in saying, Europe's biggest football magazine. Someone's going to text me later when they hear this and tell me that's not actually true. But uh, we, yeah, we, we're, um, you may have seen it on shelves since, since the 90s. It's always been around in the UK. And yeah. about six months ago, we were like, hey, everyone does video now. Let's, let's do some video. So they drafted me in because I've been on YouTube for a very long time and they asked me to basically do that for them and we're a couple of months in now it's taken a while to get it going because it takes as i'm sure you both know a long time to get any kind of traction these things but we're going quite well now and uh yeah we cover pretty much all the major clubs all the european stuff features editorials but because uh for my sins i'm a newcastle united fan we do manage to get quite a high proportion of newcastle united content through which is really fun because i like to talk about that and could it be a best, better time for you to kick things off with the Newcastle stuff either, with the takeover and the uh, sudden upsurge in uh, success or moderate oh, success? So if, it, if it had been 18 months ago, I just wouldn't have touched it. Like, no, <laughs> nobody wants to talk yeah. about the bottom of the league and teams circling the drain. So getting to talk about football for a living at a time when Newcastle are basically the biggest conversation in the Premier League has been... Uh, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. No, I bet it's. I mean, we 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 effectively started this off as a as a way for us to have a bit of banter on the other side of the world about football. We all knew each other off Twitter, basically, and came up with our with our podcast idea. And we've we've been having a ball since. We're sort of slowly slowly creeping up on the numbers. So it's it's uh, it's been pretty good. So, uh, but without. Uh, wasting any more time. Um, so what we want to dive into is a couple of the hot topics that are floating around social media and the club at the moment. So obviously the big one, the big uh, controversial talking point at the moment, I guess you would say, is uh, St. Maximin is <laughs> is potential. White socks. Nobody likes white socks. Um, I like white. See, this is why I like white. I think the kids look nicer with white socks. But if you say that, you get like booed and have rotten veins. No, nobody seems to like white socks. I, I have no I feelings like one way or the other. <laughs> no. But yes, the uh, the even uh, the second <laughs> hottest topic on the on the agenda at the moment is St. Maximin leaving, uh, albeit potentially at the moment still, but it certainly looks like it's going to go ahead. Is uh, is being tipped for a move to Saudi Arabia. Um, the obvious uh, the obviously backlash over this is that it's effectively PIF owned clubs doing business amongst themselves. It's perfectly fine for uh, Chelsea to be selling the players to. Um, to the Saudi Pro League, it's perfectly fine for Liverpool because Jordan Henderson's now off to uh, to there, as you were just saying. Um, but 
obviously this is a little bit more controversial because it's us um, mm. and it was bound to raise a little bit of uh, a few eyebrows here and there. But what do you make of this move in general? But more to the point, I want to get your opinion on the actual pretty low fee given what the other players have been going for. Well, I think you've already touched on it. I think the low fee is there because they're absolutely desperate to avoid any scrutiny over the fee. If you sort of look at, I mean, if this was happening in Europe, it, it wouldn't be allowed. Like you're not really allowed to trade this way between clubs with a similar ownership model. But of course, the Saudi Pro League is well out of the guise of UEFA. So you can kind of do what you want. It's just purely from a PR and an optics perspective, they're desperate to avoid any sort of accusations of collusion or to invite any more scrutiny over it because... Obviously, it's it's a deal that's already had quite a large magnifying glass and will continue to. So anything they can do to avoid that is, is sort of there to be done. I'm sure they've worked out what is the absolute maximum they can get away with before people will start being sniffy. And I think if you look at the fee being talked about for Fabinho, the fee being talked about uh, for Mares, for Henderson, we are probably getting less than fair market value for this, but not so much that it's, a, it's an absolute outcry. I think just on a personal note, I think it's a massive shame. Like I absolutely love Alan St. Maximan, and I understand this. You know, we'll, we'll talk about like all the the, the, um, the FFP sort of considerations and what Barnes brings, and whether or not you have to do these kind of deals. But just purely from an emotional standpoint, like Alan St. Maximan's part of the reason you watch football players like that, as frustrating as they can be and as inconsistent as they can be, when it clicks, that's that's why you that's why you put up with it. That's why you go at the games. Um, so I'm I'm gutted, but obviously it's a, it's a deal that goes far beyond just player you like gets sold. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of talk as well. I think um, Craig, I think we were mentioning it on the social on the um, the group chat. The there is a little bit of uh, talk around a lot of these add-ons and the add-on fees that are that are being talked about as well. So yeah. you have to think Absolutely. that. These add-ons are going to probably be pretty attainable, you would think, and it's probably a way, as Adam says, it's it's sneaking that fee under the radar a little bit more, where it's in installments. It's not this one big lump sum because if you look at it, to me, Neves is gone, and he's gone for like close to fifty million. Yep. And I would see St. Maximum, very similar age, very similar kind of potential player, um, probably arguably be more exciting to watch. As you said, great, great kind of draw card for that league. Um, you'd have to be thinking that we're, we're getting a little bit stiffed on the fee. Um, what's your oh, thoughts, Greg? Yeah, God, I, uh, when this all news broke, and we were even talking weeks ago about potential players that we could sell and the fees it could bring, we were all thinking 40 plus for uh, St. Maximum. And the fact that it's, what, 25, maybe 30 million plus bonuses, you got to think those bonuses, like you mentioned, got to be quite hefty. So if you're mm -hmm. looking at appearance fees, uh, maybe winning the league, winning a competition, whatever that would be, even a sell-on fee, because we don't know how long those players you want to stick in that league for. Yeah. It might be a year, maybe a year or two, whatever, who knows. But yeah, those bonuses, you'd think they're going to be attainable. And with Dan Ashworth pulling the strings... The magic you work with getting the money back from Chris Ashworth, from um, Chris Wood, uh, Chris Wood, and John Joe Shelby. If he's pulling the strings in there, who knows what magic he's worked on this deal as well? One, one problem they've got with this is um, they were not desperate, but last summer and even in the January window, they were quite happily sort of putting the feelers out that they would entertain 40 million. For mm. and that's what the club viewed as value to be, that's what they thought that his market rate was. And it wasn't so much that they were sort of, you know, punting him around desperately trying to sell him, but there was nobody else in the squad who's a first-teamer who they were, you know, even entertaining the idea of selling. But they were quite happy to put it out there that, you know, if that kind of money came in, they would be happy to let him go. 
And the fact is, nobody came in. The clubs that wanted him didn't think he was worth 40 million and the clubs that sort of had 40 million didn't particularly want him. So the reason they're going to have to go for under that is because if any scrutiny does then get applied uh, to that deal and they go, well, we think he's, we genuinely earnestly think he's valued at 40 million. It's very easy for any sort of governing body or even, you know, journalists or whatever to turn around and go, but he's not though, because you tried to get 40 million for him and nobody paid it. So clearly that's not what his market value is. So that's kind of a problem they've made for themselves. I think getting somewhere near the Barnes fee for him is is very good business. Um, but, I mean, I, I agree with them. I think he's worth way more than that. I think if you're going to get Neves for sort of 50 or... or yeah. Vino's going for, for even close to what uh, Sir Maximan's going for. And he's fallen... He's, he's held together with sort of like candy wrappers and glue at the moment. <laughs> but it's just... It's sort of the reality of, of how uh, open they were to selling him and how many people yeah. know what they value him at. No, that's that's actually a really good point. I mean, I, I know we've had a lot of. Um, I mean, social media is rife with with both sides of the argument. Um, now, the thing is, as as you mentioned, St. Maximin's kind of the one saleable asset that we've had that we've proven we can win without, mm. and so yeah. he's probably in that bracket where you know if he played all last season and we'd won loads of games and he played really well, then you think, well, yeah, you get more money for him, but do you really want to lose him? Where now you kind of with the Barnes deal, and we'll get onto that in a minute. You're, you're almost replacing, almost replacing like for like. I think Barnes is a lot more direct. I think he's a lot more kind of less flashy. Well, he's a lot less flashy than Sir Maximum, but at the end of the day, he's still going to score goals. He's still going to get assists. He's still going to play on that left wing, um, and it's kind of like this almost a swap deal with with the price wise but eddie howe's been really over supportive of st maximin in the last week or so and he's he's been in the media a lot saying you know he doesn't want to lose him and he doesn't want to lose anyone but you always kind of felt there was that but if an offer comes in we're probably going to accept it yeah. <laughs> um yeah. did, did you do you feel that there was any kind of uh, any gamesmanship at play on that or was it literally just you know obviously Eddie Howe's not going to come out and say, yes, we desperately want to sell him, um, which is immediately going to drop the price because everyone knows you're a selling club. Well, that's, that's, it. that's exactly it. Like in any situation, regardless of what the, uh, the mechanisms are behind the scenes, you've always as a manager got to sort of create at least the suspension of disbelief that you're not actually that bothered about the sale. So you better make sure that the selling club is doing, is doing enough. There's also, think about St. Maximan is there's always been a perception at the club and this goes back to Bruce as well, that he requires a bit more management than a lot of other players as he little bit more temperamental not to the not to the area it's a problem but when things aren't going well he needs an arm around his shoulder and he needs picked up now and then and he needs supported and he's he's worth it as an individual that you're always quite happy to do that as a manager but I think you quite often have seen what Eddie Howe says in the press about Alan St. Maximan what he says publicly maybe doesn't show exactly how he feels about him as a player because he's used him and he's he recognizes he's a great player and I do actually think he's improved a lot of elements of his game since he's come into the club but you can tell that like really when the chips are down with everybody available, he's not somebody he has implicit trust in to do all the necessary jobs. And part of that just comes from the type of player he is. You know, so Maximan was an absolutely unbelievable footballer in a Steve Bruce system where we defended on the edge of our own box and you had 80% of the pitch just to freely run into and turn defenders inside out. And that's just not where we are now. Yeah. Teams turn up and they camp on the edge of their own box. So it's really, really difficult to find that kind of space and break them down. And I think St. Maximan does deserve loads of credit for how he's adapted his game and how Eddie's sort of changed him from 
you know, being a player who wants to directly run a goal and get a shot away himself to sort of getting more involved in the build-up, holding his position a lot wider and, you know, being more involved in the play. But as a fan, if you've watched this one player dazzle you and, you know, turn defenders inside out and be this good, it's such a jarring thing to see him play a completely different way. I think it's very easy to miss the elements of his game that have improved. So, yeah, I think there's obviously a load of gamesmanship with it. I think Eddie Howe would have been really happy to keep him. I don't think that was insincere. It's just that I think if you gave him the choice, do you would you would you train him for Harvey Barnes? I think Eddie would have flown him out to Saudi Arabia himself. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good point you're making though that um, you know he was so crucial to any kind of success we had under Steve Bruce because he was our, our one shining light. Yeah. We, we effectively, yeah, as you said, defended really Absolutely. deep and and just he was the one out to get forward and hopefully score a goal and and just do something out of nothing. Um, there's, there's kind of, and Craig, feel free to chip in on this one, but my, my feeling is we've kind of almost outgrown him as a football club because of the way we play now. And, and I respect the fact that you can clearly see that he has tried to adapt his game i wonder if his body and the fact that he's having more and more injuries i think whether that's something to do with the high tempo game that we're playing and his body's just maybe struggling to to keep up with that given like the the rough and tumble and the, and the pace that we play at now um whether or not that that's a case but it kind of does almost feel like he's a luxury player now for us as opposed to a necessity and at this moment be and we'll again we'll touch on financial fair play in a minute we can't afford luxuries we if if it's a saleable asset and we can improve the whole squad with it then you know that's got to be the priority right now so he's, he's kind of like being almost sacrificed to the gods of ffp if you like Thing is yeah, though, it, right? luxury players, luxury players are class though aren't they yeah like, we've never, ever been able to have a luxury player, realistically. It was certainly not under Mike Ashley. It was either, like, no. can, can this player scrap and fight us to a 17th place finish? We've never, ever been able to look at somebody and go, oh, well, if he only plays 15 games a season, maybe 20 games, that that's fine. Because when he does come on, it'd be fantastic. I just... Yeah. Ben I just Arthur, think, probably the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to an extent. And look at, look at the way, as soon as he stopped being a vital first-team cog... As soon as yeah. he sort of, sort of had to be a bit more resourceful, look how quickly he was discarded and how sort yeah. of how sort of easily forgotten his contributions were. I just I think it's a I think it's I think it's a massive shame. I would love to support a football club which had luxury players in it. Oh well, I think we'll get there. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. It's just at the moment where we're not quite there yet. That's all. But the, the one good thing uh, is a positive of Maxi going is it's not just going to fund Harvey Bonds coming in. It's going to fund maybe another two or three players coming in yeah, because of the way uh, the, the financial fair play system works with the modernization, that type of thing. He is expendable in the fact that we need the team to grow. And without that money coming in, we can't we'll just stay stagnant. And would we drop down the table? Possibly. Would we be able to compete for fourth again? Possibly. But with the money he's bringing in, it's more of a realistic opportunity. And that's where the team needs to grow, needs to build. We need squad depth towards the back end of the season. If that season went over another two or three games, there's no way we would have qualified for the Champions League because we'd have a midfield for a kickoff. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I mean, we, we we may as well touch on Harvey, Harvey Barnes now. Obviously, the, the fee for St. Maximum has been rumoured for anything between 21 and 30 million. Now, 
nobody seems to know. Um, it's very Dan Ashworth to keep this sort of thing under wraps. It'll no doubt be an undisclosed fee when it finally goes through with with add-ons and, and uh, clauses. You know, maybe we have a buyback clause or something and we can buy him back in 12 months after he's had his payday, And <laughs> but I don't think so. Um, so, look, uh, Harvey Barnes incoming talked about it around about the 35 to 38 million mark. Um, now, we've seen pictures today, albeit being taken on a potato. Um, we've, 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 we've had uh, the media work at St. James's through some long distance zooming on someone's mobile phone from the 80s. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it does look like the deal is pretty much all but done. Um, firstly, again, before we get onto the whole financial fair play, because I think that is the, the crux of this whole thing and is probably what's dictated the, the major move in the first place. Um, Adam, what's your thoughts on what Harvey Barnes brings to the team and what does it differ to what Maxi's bringing at the moment? Well, if you look at them as players, you couldn't get two more polar opposite footballers in, in that position. Like even every, any sort of number you care to measure them on, the ones that Maximan scores really highly, Barnes is rubbish. And the ones that Barnes scores really highly, at Max, Maximan's absolutely rubbish. It's the, it's the most sort of like, if you asked Eddie how to wave a magic wand and change the profile of his left winger, this is exactly what he would have got. I mean, he'd be absolutely thrilled with this. Um, thing is, it's complicated because like more than one thing can be true at once. Like I think Harvey Barnes is a huge upgrade on St. Maximan in that position in terms of who we are and how we play. And his overall output will be massive compared to St. Maximan. You play more Consistency. games, more goals. Like, yeah, he's, he's a far, far, far better fit. And that's all true. But I, I still do think that as a team, we lose something by having a player like that in instead of a, a player like some Maximum. Don't get me wrong. Everything you've said there, Craig, in terms of why this needs to happen, completely, completely agree with. Um, I think we'll be better off for this having happened. I think we'll perform better. I think, you know, we'll see. I don't think most fans will end up missing him because of what a good signing and what a shrewd buy Harvey Barnes is. But if you've never seen him before and you're expecting him to sort of like be an improvement on St. Maximan, you need to get rid of that because he, he's he's such a different player. He will not yeah. look like he's doing the things he's doing. Like the guy, the guy can't go, he can't go past a player. I think he's like, I think it was the video I was doing today, I think he ranks like second bottom in the league for take-ons for, for midfielders. Like he genuinely cannot take a player on. He hasn't got a trick in his locker, but he's very good at using his teammates and getting past them via link. The plays a much better finisher. Um, his passing's like so much better. He's a completely different style of player, um, which I do worry makes us slightly more two-dimensional because in terms of what he does, there's there's similarities with Almiron on the other side. I was just about scored. to say that, yeah. He's very uh, busy, yeah. he gets around, he wants oh. to link up. And if you've sort of if you've got a system that's gonna stop a team doing that, we don't really have anything we can go to 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 mix it up slightly. So there is a shame in that regard. But he is. If you look at his numbers, like he got 13 goals in the league for the worst Leicester side there's been since they came back into the Premier League. Like that's an astonishing return. Like I think if you if you add up his goals and assists as well, like he's got more than last year, he got more than Mares, more than Grealish, more than mm -hmm. uh, Alexis McAllister. Yeah. All these players who've had fantastic seasons, he's scrapped away and managed to get that for Leicester. So I think he's a great player. I think I think we're going to absolutely love him here. Um, what's your thoughts on so last season obviously he scored a lot of goals himself um, and I think most of us as soon as you get linked to a player straight off to YouTube to watch the highlight videos uh, we, we, um, we've we seen like him score some absolute bangers last season I mean he was knocking them in from outside the box like curling it in kind of almost like Miggy when he went on his run as you yeah. said he's like cutting inside and just curling it past the keeper 
he didn't he only got one assist last season now do you put that down to him because he did actually do well the the season before that didn't score as many goals but had a lot more assists is that down to just the fact that you know Jamie Vardy's like playing with a Zimmer frame at the moment and they haven't really got anyone else that's hitting the ground um, up front at the moment yeah, I think if you, if you want to get a full and accurate picture of Harvey Barnes, you have to look at the last two seasons as sort of a combined average. Um, yeah. Last year, just Leicester were not making the chances. They weren't having the territorial dominance. Like They created so few, so so many fewer goal-scoring opportunities. Barnes took a lot more for himself because quite often he found himself in situations where he would normally have two or three teammates around him. And this season, he simply he simply didn't. Um, I think if you sort of smooth that over sort of a two-season average, he, he does have... I would, the lack of assists last season don't really concern me. Like, once we, he starts playing in this system, you know, he's going to be... He's not going to be short of a, of a pass. He's not going to be short of an option. In Isak and Wilson, he's got two players who make those kind of runs and are always yeah. available and are always present. So I think you'll see that start to improve. Um, I, I think genuinely, like, any concerns people have about any of his numbers or even Leicester's overall performance, which obviously he's contributed to, I would just say... Just don't worry about that. Like he hasn't even been Eddie Howd yet, so imagine, yeah. <laughs> how much imagine how much everything's going to pick up as soon as he is. Yeah, no, no, it's it's exciting to see what he can do with the likes of Isak and and Wilson and you know Miggy on the other side. If we get someone at left back, which we'll we'll touch on, um, you know, you've got Bruno and Tonali in the middle now. Joe Linton, Willick, they're all going to be willing runners. They're all going to be good yeah. link up players for him, but because he has that threat for scoring and everyone's going to be wary of that, you've got to think that's going to be doing a lot of favours for the rest of the team, pulling those defenders out of position that have to go and mark him. So, yeah, yeah. should... should he's, 25, uh, he's 25 as well. So, yeah. you know, he's only going to improve in the next couple of seasons. So, uh, again, I, I will keep coming back to the fact that I am personally quite sad we've sold Alan St. Maximum, <laughs> but I can't make any single argument for it not being a good bit of business, not being a yeah. tremendous bit of business, in fact. Yeah, so obviously the the business side of things. Let's let's get get into it. The, the the financial fair play situation that we found ourselves in, a lot of it's been made of. Um, we we don't have the income at this moment in time to match the top top teams. We've already spent a lot of money. The grace period because of uh, the Mike Ashley underspend is kind of coming to an end now. We're going to have to start standing on our own two feet a little bit more. Uh, I guess. In terms of the way deals are structured these days and the fact that we can amortize incoming transfers over the length of the contract up to five years. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that gives us like we we get the money in for St. Maxima and we're not spending it all straight away because, yes, we're buying Harvey Barnes, but we're buying him and then spreading that 38 million over the course of a five year contract. So. We've, we've got money then in the bank to then go and get a left back, an, a, a right center, center back, a, another midfielder if we want to. Um, so it is a very, very shrewd bit of business that to, to conduct. But is, is that your your take of it? That's my understanding of what's happening in, in the financial fair play world and what's kind of driven this deal almost. Yeah, I know this is going to sound weird coming from a guy who literally did a video on how financial fair play works. The thing you've always got to keep in mind is during any conversation about financial fair play, whether you're talking to like a fan, a pundit, a journalist, even people internally at the club, is that nobody really fully understands exactly what you can and can't do. Like even Eddie Howe has been briefed 
three or four different ways by people at the club over what they were going to be able to spend this year. He's been quoted three entirely different figures, apparently, which has led to a tiny little bit of friction. Nothing like anybody should be concerned about, but apparently he was told one figure at the end of the season. He was told one figure when they came back. He's been told another figure again. And because the, the fact is they just don't quite know exactly how things are going to work out. Because if you, if you know who's coming in and out, then that affects things. And you might have players who leave or you might have to renew contracts in a couple of years. So trying to plan it out over a number of years, which you have yeah. to, you can't because it's just too there's too many variables. Like for all we know, um, Nick Pope gets a terrible injury in the first week. Martin Dubravka comes in, and all of a sudden he's somehow become the greatest goalkeeper in the world. And his agent turns around and goes, "Well, now he's your established number one. You need to treble his contract," which is something that can happen in football. You never so all of a sudden the budgeting you've got for the next couple of years. Well, well, maybe you should have kept a little bit back for for contracts and whatnot. Or maybe maybe somebody just doesn't want to play football anymore and they leave and you can just tear up their contract. So you never, ever know. It's impossible to plan completely perfectly. I, do, I think the, the timing of this and the similar fees sort of make it look like we had to sell Alan St. Maximan to buy Harvey Barnes. And that isn't necessarily the case. Like I think we could have done this deal without selling him, but it's probably more the case of we can't do the business we want to across the rest of the window yeah. without at least selling Alan to Maximan. So the timing kind of makes I, it look like it's a it's a very simple exchange. But I think it's more the case of they want Barnes. They knew they could get him. Wouldn't have been a problem. They could easily have kept St. Maximan and got him in. But then all of a sudden, if they want to go, go out and get centre-back cover, if they want a new left-back, if they want a bit more depth here, or they, you know, someone becomes available like Gordon did in the, Jan- in the, um, the January window and they want to take a punt on it, that might tie their hands significantly for that. So I think it's if they want to operate with the sort of freedom and the ambition, then somebody like him was going to need to be sold. And as you know, as you both said at the start, looking at who you can get a fee for, who commands a big wage, who's that sort of saleable asset, he was the obvious one to go. And beyond him, realistically, the next one's probably Lascelles. Mm-hmm. You could probably get at his age a reasonable fee, like certainly not breaking the bank money, but you get. 10, possibly 15 million with the right buyer come in, and he's on a decent salary. But the, the drop-off between what you're going to get for Lascelles and what you're going to get for St. Maximan is enormous. So, yeah. yeah. It's well, there, is, makes- there is actually a lot of talk going through at the moment that um, Darlow may be on his way out for about 6 million. And if well, they this- get that done, then that is that is probably even better business. That's good business. Me. That's good business. But I think the main uh, talking point about that is a lot of the clubs that are in for him don't want to pay 6 million. And Newcastle yeah. aren't budging just for the sake of getting him. You know, they're, they're, they know they need to start getting value out of their player sales. Yeah. Like It's part of the reason Ash was there. Like Brighton's success was as much about you know, finding these unheard of players, developing them, having these great pathways to the first team, as it was, well, we, we're going to sell at the right time and for the right money. And we're not going to get sort of, you know, our pants pulled down by a big club, basically managing to, to unsettle somebody. Like McAllister going for Liverpool for as little as he did was very much an exception in terms that, of... That's, that was very, very strange, yeah. That was, that yeah. was simply just he played that well at the World Cup and he was going to go and he was able to basically negotiate uh, a, a sellout clause. A buyout clause, and it, the buyout clause was more than they would have got for him if they'd just not given him a new contract. So it was seen as sort of the the least bad of the two scenarios. But oh, beyond that, we have to become a really good club at selling players. Yeah. And you know, you see all the all the all the sort of like um, all the heart wrenching that's going on now, all the all the pearl clutching over St. Maximan. In the next couple of years, it's going to be Bruno, and it's going to be yeah. Botman, and it's going to be Isak. Like we will be able to flip these these purchases hopefully for more money and that will enable us to go out and get the the next crop of players so we do need to get used to it 
That's the annoying. Yeah, I've, I've I've said all along that it, you know I'm I'm not as much as I I like the players that we've got and I'm, I'm sort of infatuated with Bruno like everyone else is. Um, not quite as much as Andy Sixsmith apparently, um, <laughs> but. We have, uh, so <laughs> we've had um, Andy Sixsmith from the Premier League TV on oh, the right. podcast and he waxes lyrical over Bruno. It's quite quite amusing. Uh, so we, we, yes, we've got these great players, but, you know, I, I think I've always had in the back of my mind that at some point Bruno's going to Real Madrid. And I think that that is something that I think most of us are kind of realizing is going to happen. But if we've bought him for 35 and we sell him for... 80 90 100 whatever whatever he's yeah. going to go for like at the moment because he is so good um hey look that's three players we can go out and buy for 30 million um and have money left in the bank to go and stock the academy back up again so yeah i'm, I'm all for that because the big difference is though now we're selling players to reinvest in the club we're not selling players to line oh, Mike yeah, Ashley's exactly. pocket. <laughs> i, I was just going to mention that we as fans, we've all been emotionally scored by transfers in the past. Do make Ashley? You got Andy Carroll, Yuan Kabai in Denver. No, I'm not over Kabai. I'm not over Kabai. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've we're, we're all been emotionally scored by uh, deals, I guess. And it just lingers there in the back of your mind. Could the same thing happen again? I don't think it will. I think uh, the owners have the best interest of the club at heart, and hopefully that will continue. And just like you said, Mark, we saw Bruno for 100 million. We go out, get a production line of young talent for the academy. Some of them will make the grade, some of them won't, but the ones that don't, we will sell them on. Just like what Man City have sold that 19-year-old for 12 million or whatever it was, yeah. which is absolutely bonkers considering they've kicked a Premier League ball in his life, I don't think. So that's the type of thing we need to do. And let's be honest here, the way the Saudi Pro League's going about things, if you end up, you're, you're never going to compete with them in terms of wage offers at the moment that they're putting out to players. So if, player, if a player at the top of their game, 28 or whatever, if Bruno gets to 28 and suddenly there's a 600 grand a week offer comes in for him from the Saudi Pro League, you're not going to match that. I don't think you should match that. You get what you no. can for him. And if they're willing to overpay for that player to get in there, then you take the money, you run, you go and you reinvest it. And I think that's what they'll do. And I think that's that's clearly what Ashworth's been brought in to, to set up for us, which is, which is good and it's exciting in its own way. But obviously you don't like losing your, your best players. As hesitant as I am to bring up Mike Ashley, the next two years are going to make you hate him even more, you know, because we've got to now effectively be self-sufficient. Like, we may we may get back in the Champions League this season. You know, we may be there consistently. We may not. We may sort of, like, float around the sort of top half of the table, which is probably slightly more likely. But what's going to happen over the next few seasons in terms of the money we spend? We've got to be self-sufficient. We can't incur loads of debt. We've basically got to spend the money the club earns. And so what you're going to see in the next few seasons is what Mike Ashley could have done how he could have run the club. We couldn't have done maybe necessarily those first two windows where we went and we splurged loads of money on getting a far higher standard of player in. Yeah. That's the benefit of the takeover. But from now, we're going to be living within our means. The kind of fees we're going to be quoted and the ambition we're going to have is nothing we couldn't really have had before the takeover, which is going to really start to sting when you think about, you know, yeah. transfer windows where we couldn't get uh, I hate using it because the one everyone goes to, but we couldn't get the loan fee for for Chelsea. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I'm I'm still stuck on the fact that we turned me um, Modric down because he wasn't uh, wasn't strong enough for the Premier League on old Dennis Wise's. <laughs> Dennis uh, Wise just didn't rate so. him. <laughs> Dennis Wise just didn't, and of course the career Dennis Wise has had in player acquisitions and how he's you know redefined entire recruitment department of football <laughs> team since and before. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah that that one that one's the one that still still stings for me because you just, just yeah, turning down this this player that's literally gone on and, and been this world class talent and yeah Dennis Wise the didn't is, you go back to the Modric thing you look at the team who would have been putting him in I don't think Luka Modric would have had the same career uh, if he got in the last United side if he had if he had a Tottenham yeah um, still <laughs> uh, so yeah obviously. So Darlow is on his way out. Apparently, we'll see. We'll wait and see what we get for him. Obviously, as you said, we're 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 holding fast, and I'm 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 good with that. Obviously, we need to shift some keepers. We can't go into the new season with like eight first team keepers, or whatever we've got at the moment, and seventeen left backs. But we will we will get there at some point. Um, so obviously, we've we've just had a, a two uh, preseason friendlies. Um, we've just finished Rangers away. Um, Tenali's first game for the club. Miggy scored. Um, Ashby scored um, on an absolutely fantastic run by Isak to, to set him up. Uh, I thought I thought Ashby did really well to, um, to to get that ball. Watched the highlights of Tenali. Um, looks pretty comfortable in midfield, pinging the ball around. Often a little bit with a little bit too much vigor at times. I think uh, caught Trippier out a couple of times where it was uh, a little bit forcefully fed back to him. But look, he, he was fighting for it. No, nothing, nothing super, um, super out of this world apart from maybe his link-up play uh, with Anderson for the for the Miggy goal. But what did you did you did you watch the game and did you what did you make of it? Yeah, you've always got to watch any sort of friendly through the lens of this is a friendly. Like I've seen. I've seen yeah. players, be, players be absolutely rank in pre-season and then be brilliant. And likewise, you've seen players tear it up in those first few games and then just get the Premier League and do nothing. Uh, in the context of it just being a friendly, I was really impressed with Tonali. I think everything you were looking to see from him in terms of his, his sort of his movement and his positional versatility and his one-touch play and just, you know, you, what you wanted to see is Sean Longstaff, but a, a really elite sort of European level. And I think that's that's kind of what he looked like. Um, I'm really glad we got that deal done as early as we have. Because very rarely do you spend that kind of fee on a player who you're hoping is going to be that important and you have the entire preseason to work with them. Normally they come in quite late after protracted haggling and will they, won't they sort of thing. So to get him in that early, to get Barnes in, I don't know if he's I don't think he'd be registered for the for the US tour. But I'm I would sure you would imagine know. you would imagine they'll fly him out regardless so we can work with the group. Um yep. so that's again two bits of business done relatively early, certainly by our standards. Uh so yeah, delighted, delighted with those. In terms of, yeah, like Harrison Ashby didn't even get a look in to the point last season where it was like, weren't quite sure why we got him because he wasn't even getting on the bench ahead of like, you know, untested academy players when he did have first team experience with West Ham. So it'd be interesting to see what they want to do with him this year because uh, there was obviously that initial talk that he was very similar to Trippier. So he was a natural mm. understudy, but it doesn't look so far like they've had that kind of, that confidence or that faith in him. So you'd be watching him preseason quite closely. Um, very encouraged by the amount of young players we've taken to America. I know we had to. Uh, I know we had to fill certain quotas within the squad, but both the Miley lads look really good. White appears to be a really good talent. Jay Turner Cook's one that's getting talked about. So, you know, we're hoping to see a lot of these players come through in the coming years as we've got some money to spend on the academy. But the current crop don't look anything to be sort of disheartened about. There does seem to be at least one or two in there that we might get a bit of first team uh, games out of, which is you know great news. Yeah, Craig, Craig, you've been um, waxing lyrical over Miley, haven't you, Lewis Miley? Uh, Lewis yeah. Miley's biggest fan. The, the, the yeah. taller, um, bigger, younger younger brother. <laughs> yeah, it's, we had that combination. Towers yeah. over, his, over his older brother, yeah. I, I do think Lewis Miley, he could be the next generational talent that is the next Beardsley or Gaza for us. And that is a ridiculously bold claim. I, I that's understand enorm- that. That's enormous. That's enormous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, but local lad... 
Uh, he's certainly got the talent there. And if he can learn everything that Eddie Howe wants to cram into his head, then he could very well have the world at his feet. And he could be the player that saves us 50, 60 million on going buying somebody else. Could very well be that type of player. But it's a bold claim, but I do think he could get to that level. Wow. I hope so. I, Look, I mean, I... at the end of the day, he, he looks he looks very comfortable and assured on the ball. Um, he's, he's obviously tall, athletic. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But for a 17-year-old, the bits that we have seen of him, he, he does look very, very good and um, not, not really phased by it all as well, which I think is probably key. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this season where, you know, if he's if he's kept around or sent out on loan, um, that does look like he might be kept around and probably makes sense for the whole homegrown quotas and stuff that we have to fill for Champions League squads and what have you. Uh, but... To me, it's it's more about if we can get these young players coming through, they don't have to be superstars. They they can fill out that squad depth as long as they're, you know, if you you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of Tenali is like that long staff with that next level skill and, and sort of vision and what have you. But long staff, we, we were complaining at the end of last season when he was out injured like holy crap we're not the same team without him yeah. so if you can get like all of like you know four or five players coming through the academy that are all at that kind of level where you can bring them in and they're not they're not sort of like a massive downgrade and, and you can build that that's saving you so much money that you can then go out and spend on on that one or two really yeah. top quality players to make a difference in the side. So for me, that is that is like an ideal scenario to bring those start and bring those players through. And we, you know, typically historically haven't had a great track record in, in doing so. So hopefully the new coaching setup. But the fact that Howe's been having them into first team training already as well, it does make you think that he's seeing something as well. Well, that, that's the thing, right? It's it's you you always want you always want to see sort of the next Gazer or the next Beardsley or the next Cheer. You want there to be a superstar who's a vital point of your team who's from the region because it does it's a great feeling when that happens but what's far more valuable to Premier League clubs is a production line that's going to give you Elliot Andersons and Dan Burns and Sean Longstaff's players who will just slot in they'll be comfortable at the club and if you do end up selling them you will get you know a, a fairly decent chunk for them but more is you know more is not less in this scenario more is more if you can get any player up to sort of premier league standard to fit into that squad you're right it saves you an absolute fortune yeah but the other thing as well you're going to have players like murphy who is not going to be a first team starter all the time and i think he knows that but because he's a local lad and he supports the club he's yeah. willing to take that role on he's not going to push for a move and get unsettled because he's like living the dream as far as a newcastle yeah. fan goes mm -hmm. And I think that's the big thing as well. If you can bring those young local lads through, it's giving you that that kind of core to the team and that that local link with the fans. But it's also giving you players that are willing to like almost play second fiddle just to still be around the team. They're not going to go and sit on a bench at somewhere else when they may as well just sit on the bench and play the odd bit role at their their hometown club. Well, we've seen how important the attitude of the players was last season. Like, mm. you know, when some of them weren't getting in the first team or when we had those slight bad, bad runs of results, you could see there was never any question over the commitment or the application. People weren't down in tools. The body language was all exactly what you wanted to see. You never came away from a game, even when we didn't get a result thinking, ah, they just couldn't be asked today or we weren't really at it. Mm. Like that attitude and that application is so important, especially to the way Eddie Howe manages. And as much of a, as much of a cliche as it is, if you've got academy graduates in your team, that's just going to be, it's going to be a better environment for that because A, they'll set high standards for themselves because of the, the pride they have in the shirt and B, that's infectious. 
Like if you've got five, six, seven players there who are going to give all every single game because it means that much to them, it's hard to hide. You know what I mean? It's really hard to then be the player who's just sort of not going to turn up or is going to sort of take a hook because the environment doesn't really allow for it. And it's getting to the point where I think they're trying to build that from the younger players. They're going to try and bring them up through the academy, through into the first team with a similar footballing mentality and a footballing philosophy. So they will, like like what's happened at Brighton, you know, they sell one of their star players and then you think, oh, how are they going to, how are they going to manage without that, that player? And then they'll just find someone else and slot them straight in because they know the system. They've been they've been brought through that system, so it's comfortable for them. Um, well, last, last little thing before we uh, sign off and let you escape. Um, obviously, we've just seen the players jet off to the United States for their tour, pre-season tour. Um, could have probably done without the level of teams that they're going to be playing in Chelsea and Villa and it's yeah. not the sort of teams that you want to have like a nice a nice build up um, but look apart from Big Joe who's been denied a visa apparently for drink driving offences but I'm sure the rest of the players will be able to purchase their firearms at the local Walmart while they're there <laughs> um, <laughs> seems a little bit weird to me but anyway let's 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 leave that can of worms uh, tinned up for now um but what are you expecting from the the preseason tour because this is this is a huge opportunity especially the area of the country they're going to where um, it's not it's kind of building up at i've got a, atlanta ties with um darren eels and obviously miggy um I'm guessing the big thing for this is they're hoping to to get that foothold in North America in terms of a fan base, and they've they've intentionally almost aimed this at a, a region that is ripe for the picking almost. But obviously, beyond just getting some minutes and legs, what are you expecting us to to go after for this preseason tour? Well, I think what you've touched upon there is a really, really good point. But I think it's more a point for the Premier League than it is for the clubs. Like we've done preseason tours all over the world, and I don't—you don't often hear about some amazing pocket of fan base that we've left mm -hmm. behind because we played, you know, two games in Kuala Lumpur, you know, tw twenty years ago. So I, I don't think it's got that kind of impact for the clubs necessarily. I think it's more about the brand of football and the standard of the Premier League and sort of anybody who's maybe on the fence in that part of America about. Oh, is soccer really that interesting? So, well, here you go. They're still just having a kick about the Zen. It's just to get minutes in the legs, but look at the standard. Like, look at like the very, very top level uh, of football. So, I think I think that will have an impact on the Premier League, and not necessarily so much for us. But I mean, you never know. You just you just never know with, with these sorts of things, especially as we're now one of the most marketable assets in the league in terms of how we play and the players we're attracting and the fact we're going to be playing in Champions League football. It will have a benefit to us. In the long run, it's just whether or not uh, whether or not that's the kind of thing that's going to have any sort of tangible impact on, on fans across the rest of the world, I, I don't know. In terms of the games themselves, I think that's another good point about how this is probably not the standard you would have wanted, but that's just the reality of it now. Like, you know, we want to play in the Premier League, we want a slice of the, the, the money they're going to get for doing this. Uh, we, you've just kind of got to play ball. Obviously, the, the friendlies we've organised at home, they're far more the kind of tests Eddie Howe's going to want in terms of the not just the standard of opposition, but the style of them as well. Like they can hurt you. They are a bit of a different quantity, but they will at the same time probably sit quite deep and try and deny you a lot of space. Uh, so I think we're probably going to get about 60% of the preseason Eddie Howe wants. And I think in this day and age, there's probably quite a high percentage in terms of the, uh, the commitments you've got. 
Yeah. Um, and look, we've got two cups on order. Um, so we hopefully well, uh, right, come, right, come right, away right. come away with two two things to put in the, the silverware. Yeah, we'll have two trophies before the season's even kicked off, which would be, would be really nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll not go back to like the, the stringy bridge thing that we got for the, the what was the, that was the Malaysia Cup or whatever yeah, that we yeah, were. Yeah, it was going to take the depot for that or something. Oh, the yeah, TV aerial trophy. Yeah, Conor Keeney held up. Yeah, no, no, I yes, that's that's right because we didn't win the Malaysia Cup because um, Jermaine Jennings guiding yeah, penalty. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but look, I mean, it's exciting times um, for us. It's it's quite good this preseason tour because it's all on Optus Sport here. Um, it's all on at like nine o'clock in the morning, so there might be some shuffled meetings uh, for work. <laughs> Have that going how, on in the how corner. Nice for you. How nice yeah. for you. Yeah, so it's going to be yeah, it's going to be really really nice morning, time for us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we suffer the rest of the year with our uh, our three a.m. kickoffs. So uh, oh, well. give us give us this one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Before we return back to uh, to sleep deprivation for the rest of the rest of the year. Um, well, well, we'll call it there. Uh, I'll get your quick tip of what we can expect for the season from Newcastle while you're on. Oh God, meltdowns. Put, put you on the spot. Put you on the meltdowns, spot. Meltdowns and more meltdowns. Possibly a bad start. <laughs> possibly a bad Champions League group phase. Everybody it's not, the, easy, it's not the easiest start to the season. It has to Everybody be thinking now. it's, yeah, we're going to have a, we might have a bad start. We might not do that well in the Champions League. Everybody's going to, there's going to be a lot of meltdowns. All I would say is if you're, if you are excited about the next season for Newcastle United, do not let, like, make sure that excitement is well bolted onto you. Do not let little things start chipping away at it. Just enjoy the ride this year. We may stay where we are. We may regress a little bit. Either either way, it's all absolutely fine. Just try and keep in mind where we've come from. Enjoy the ride. That's all I can say to anybody this season. Just enjoy it. An opening win yeah, against well, Villa would go a long way to, to raising lovely. that 3-0. That um, but we still that won 4-3 four, four, on aggregate last season. So that was the main thing. Well, we finished the that's, that's the real quiz. We got in the Champions League yeah. and they got in the conference. That's yep. the real quiz. Yeah. Well, that well, that's what I was saying the other night. There, there's all this talk of Newcastle's going to struggle. They've got more games. Are oh, they? They're going to they're going to struggle to stay where they are. All the clubs around us, they're all in Europe as well. They're playing Thursday nights in middle of nowhere in some snow drenched pitch. You know, it's like we're not the only ones that are going to have increased workload and and hopefully um, some some longer European involvement. So let's let's just enjoy it and, and see how we go. This is what we've all wanted for so long. Chelsea and mm-hmm. Spurs are my concern. Yeah. Um, I think us, Brighton and Villa have put the willies up them last season in terms yes. of like, oh, if we stagnate, we do genuinely drop right out of the European places. Not, it's not even just like a casual season in the Europa. We are out-out. They yeah. will spend and they will invest and they've got, they're two clubs that have got the infrastructure to yeah. massively outspend us even with FFP. So I think though those two are the concern. Um, I think uh, whatever happens to us... It's going to be interesting. As well. Oh, uh, God. If this if this is if this is the choice, oh, we have a bad season this one coming up because we dropped three or four places. We've dropped out of the <laughs> If we drop three or four places any other season, we're finishing bottom. So yes. like, <laughs> right, yeah. make just yeah. enjoy it. It's gonna be fun. No, it's 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 definitely well different levels of stress and different levels of ex- expectations. So um, I'm I'm all for it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Pressure yeah. is a privilege. That's they've got that yeah. written on the wall, the training round. Pressure <laughs> is a privilege. You're privileged. Now you're up to the right. No, that's going to be great. Right. 
right then let's uh let's wind that thing up and uh, i'll let you get on with your day because it is pushing what lunchtime there for you now um it so, is, it is. I'm yeah so i'm gonna do a video about alan to maximum that's my idea uh, no that's 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 i'll be i'll be looking forward to that <laughs> it's uh it's certainly going to be the talking topic for a few days yet um so thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure talking to you um and as that's always craig so uh hopefully we can get you back on again another time when there's more breaking news and and yes yeah that, that would be actually quite good yeah so yes um we will we'll call things up there and uh and we'll head off so uh, thank you very much again and thank you for everyone who's been watching and listening and we'll see you next time cheers lads <laughs>